everybody. Welcome back to Hockey at the Rock. And a welcome back, a hearty welcome back, John. Hi, John. Welcome back, Dan. Uh, a hearty welcome back to one Nico Heischer, the captain, the apparently the glue that holds this team together, the reason that they have not been playing at their full capacity. Let's get there when we get there. But yes, we saw the triumphant return of Nico Heischer, who has now joined Jack Hughes. And once the Devils get Timo Meyer back, they'll be a fully operational battleship once again. But until that happens, we've got some games to talk about. And unfortunately, this week, we were going into it uh, talking about playing some teams that were looking outside the playoff picture or were anticipated to be outside the playoff picture come the end of the season. Uh, the Devils very much play them like they were the ones who were supposed to be on the outside of the playoff picture, at least the first two opponents they had this week. As their shutout, the impressive streak of not being shut out in over 100 regular season games, um, it, it ended against the Detroit Red Wings, the same team that started that streak by having the Devils uh, get their last shutout before this one. Um, you know, the Red Wings were the beneficiaries of a rather listless effort by the New Jersey Devils. There are not many takeaways from this game that are positive, if any, for New Jersey's team. And the the staff said it, the players said it. Um, that may have felt like a rock bottom, if not for two days later. You're right, Dan. If if I could describe that effort in one word, it would be lollygagging. Um, the Devils were lollygagging up the zone. They were lollygagging in the neutral zone. They were lollygagging in defensive coverage. They were lollygagging on offense. You know, the Devils basically lost the game within the final three minutes, or the rather five, rather the last, final five minutes of, last, of the first period, where Lucas Raymond, Dylan Larkin, and Robbie Fabry all scored right. uh, goals. All started with a turnover from Toffoli and some some terrible non coverage from Marino and Smith. Then. Uh, goodness, Colin Miller got lit up and, and the Luke Hughes pairing got lit up by Larkin. And then Marino, Marino had a terrible game, by the way, in general yeah. uh, for, for Fabry's goal. And then Moritz Cedar scores through a screen to make it four nothing, but the Devils had no fight in them, no punch, no offense. Dan, they had two shots on net in the third period against Alex Lyon. Yeah. Alex Lyon. That's not how you come back. The Devils Seriously. had 16 shots on net all game. And this is a team where they had Jack Hughes. They had Dawson Mercer. They had Jesper Bratt. They have Tafoli, the aforementioned Tafoli, Andre Pola. All these guys who, again, up and down the lineup has been, you know, they're not nobodies, Dan. They're not newbies. Right. And they know what it takes to succeed in this league. And they decided, nah, son. And worse is that the veteran coaching staff seemingly, uh, they didn't seem to want to get their team going at all. They got worse as time went on. Um, don't get me it, wrong. I get you're going to have games where it just doesn't go your way, but this one they didn't even try. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was that kind of thing where you normally you'd burn the tape, not look back. I mean, it's hard to blame any one person for this, although, again, the goaltending situation did not help them. No, Vanacek was also behind. not good. Yeah. Um, but that being said, they they were just never going to come back in this game. They looked completely dead and the team very much knew that that was unacceptable. So you'd think when they're coming home to play against the Columbus Blue Jackets missing their $8 million man, Damon Severson, um, that the Devils would put forth a showing of some kind and kind of get revenge mm -hmm. for this game. And again, they followed it up with another really, really low event game. All the action happened in the first period pretty much Goal again. Yeah. Um, and then it just was very weird to see and very uncharacteristic of at least this version of the roster. This resembled the Devils game from like the late 2010s where they have possession, they have chances, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but it doesn't really feel like they're going to score. It feels like the only place they're winning the game is in the analytics score sheet. 
And not even that for most of the game either. Right. Um, that only happened really in the third period because, uh, you know, what what Dan and I, let, let's take a step back, Dan. On Thursday, the team practiced. I know it was Thanksgiving, but you're playing Friday and Saturday. You got to practice. Yep. And there were all sorts of talks. There was a, a meeting. There was apparently a closed door meeting. The players, you know, guys like Eric Halla are saying things like, you know, oh, we got to work harder. We're, we're taking the games too easy. We're expecting winning to be a luxury, which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you come out and you register six shots on that in the first period. Um, and Columbus is basically out skating you the entire time. Not only that, your first goal allowed featured Dougie Hamilton and Jonas Siegenthaler taking Jonathan Gaudreau in a makeshift two on two. Yeah. That left one man wide open. And guess who got the bucket scored? Boone Jenner right in front Dougie of the had a grid. Terrible game. D- Dougie was terrible in this game. And he was once again exposed again. Granted, this was more of a team fail, but not but um, Hamilton was too far in deep as usual. Um that allowed Justin Danforth to find Eric Robinson all alone at the Devils blue line. He goes in and roofs a breakaway. It's two to one. And the Devils' response to this was to play another sleepy period uh, yeah. against Elvis Merzlikens. The only guy who was really trying in all three periods, I would say, was Jack Hughes, who himself, you know, had himself, you know, uh, a rager of a game and a frustrating one at that because he hit the post three times. Three posts for him, one for yeah. Brat, one for Toffoli, something like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, Hughes had eight shots on net too. So it's not like the guy was just, you know, hitting iron and nothing but like the dude was trying to will his way to a goal. But other than the big deal in Alexander Holtz um, and Jesper Bratt's third period, you know, the Devils offense was definitely a case of too little too late. So even though they got 20 shots on net in the third period, you needed that effort to happen in the second period or at the very least in response to the first goal. Because again, you talk the talk. But you come out and basically, you know, lollygag once more through the first 10 minutes and you're thinking, hey, rough. Hey, 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 team. Like, what's the disconnect here? You all say you need to play better. Yeah. You're playing the worst team in the division, a team that only, that won its first game in, you know, 10 uh, against Chicago. Like, you should really need to get out there and, you know, push the tempo on them. And instead, it's like, no, nah, we're, we're going to make it 2-1 and see if we come back. And guess what? It didn't happen. Yeah, they couldn't make up that gap, and you can't always rely on doing that. But again, I I, I don't want to blame the goalies for this one. I think not Schmid. No, uh, I think Schmid was perfectly fine in this. He saved several breakaways again as the Devils had sloppy in the defensive zone, and there was no bigger, I guess, difference in style vibes like. It's it's amazing, really, to me that people are only now realizing what Nico Heischer brings to this team because with him back in the lineup, several players were able to slide to more comfortable positions, and I'm including Brendan Smith in that. He's obviously yeah. more comfortable as a forward. Like He had a great game for what he's supposed to be doing. He had chances all over around the net, um, and the Devils looked like a completely different team. They played structured defense. They looked like... They the only two goals they gave up were on the power play, and those are just some good passing plays by Buffalo. But man, they were flying and having those two centers down the middle, allowing everyone to play in the positions that they were intended to play in when this roster was constructed is a huge, huge, huge deal. And I'm wondering if the Devils can kind of recapture the magic now that they've seen what happens with Nico back. Well, in a way, Dan, given where they are in the standings, and we'll get to that in a moment, uh, yeah. they need that. Yes. <laughs> they, they're they're in a position where, unfortunately, they need to play like this more often. Not Absolutely. they should or we want it. It's need. Yeah. But going back to this, the Devils were hosting Buffalo. Buffalo, who beat Pittsburgh the night before, another team that's been uh, underwhelming, to say the least, like New Jersey. Uh, the Devils, thankfully, got off to a fast start, uh, a great uh, 
one touch pass by Mr. Holla to Alexander Holtz, who's been having a fantastic week. Roofs a shot, makes it an early 1-0 lead. So, hey, Devils get, a, get the score first. Always a nice thing to see. And then the Devils chase Eric Comrie from the net, thanks to goals from Tyler Toffoli during off a rebound from a very long delayed penalty. Nico Heischer, you know, piles in a rebound, which might have been a kick technically, yeah. uh, but they, they called it a good goal and Granado didn't challenge it, or at least he was told he couldn't. So, Hey, three, nothing. And then later Andres Palat uh, makes it, un, you know, makes it four, nothing. You chase the goalie, Devin Levy comes in and the devils did their best not to get complacent. They pretty much dominated the game. Like they held Buffalo to 12 shots in total. Yeah. Uh, their only two goals came from at the aforementioned power plays, which at that point it was okay. Four, one. And then, six two at that point and hey the devils got one power play goal on their one power play shot thanks to luke hughes i mean jack hughes was putting in that work he only gets an assist out of it but that's how frighteningly good the offense was in this game where jack hughes only got one point and the team still scored seven points and it's uh, been a decade since the devils held the team to that few shots in a single game it's a complete turnaround uh yeah. for what was happening you know earlier in the season where they were getting results, but not through the right process. Whereas the last couple of weeks with Jack and Nico out, uh, there were a lot of winnable games in that time. There are a lot of games oh, where um, the old, uh, you know, I don't like to read too much into it, but the old deserve to win a meter faced the devil's way more, but they just weren't getting the results. It felt very no. frustrating like the uh, 2010s devils. But that being said, again, this was one they deserved to win, one that they handily won and one that if mm -hmm. they can replicate what they did, if they, um, I mean, if Nico Heischer made that much of an impact in one game, I just, I think that's great. I think it's such a big thing to have mm -hmm. him back. It is. Um, and, and again, and he's a prohibitive Selkie favorite. Like all the people who are saying that his value is not, you know, when we we're talking about the Rangers fans, talking about Fox and Shesterkin missing time with injury, Nico Heischer, again, was is the prohibitive favorite for the Selkie Trophy, the best defensive forward. You remove someone like that from your lineup and you're not the Boston Bruins, and I can't imagine you being a better team, but somehow they managed to do it. Well, yeah, well, Boston is, they're built like a machine here. Like Jim Montgomery's team only lost, you know, in consecutive games for the second time in the regular season under his tenure, which is now over 100 games old. Insane. But nevertheless, you know, my frustration with a lot of these losses and these from these otherwise winnable games is because guys are just not doing the work. You know, mm -hmm. you're not tying up sticks when you need to. You're not bodying up guys when you need to. You're not hustling over. You're just standing in the middle of a two on one like you're not putting in the work. You know, it's all fixable stuff against Buffalo. They put in more of that work. Uh, Dougie was better. Not great, but better. John Marino was better. Jonas Siegenthaler was better. Tyler Toffoli, who, by the way, was just you know, dawdling out there against Columbus. He put in a much better effort, much more forceful at fighting and getting pucks, and he gets two rebound goals for his efforts. Credit to him. Uh, Andre Pollat was better. Nathan Bastion was better. Brendan Smith had the game of his life as a devil mm -hmm. on, at wing. And even Chris Tierney had his first shot on net as a devil, which is very telling about how he's been with for the Devils. Kevin Ball was much better, too, because he was terrible in the Columbus game, mm -hmm. even if it didn't cost the team a goal. So the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of guys – stepped up their game but the big thing for me is you know i'm happy that nico heischer's back and you're right that his return helped the roster helped the matchup game helped put guys in positions where to succeed and it also helps to have your captain literally be on the ice to say you know it's one thing for you and i to say hey guys you got to tie up some sticks but it's different when the captain is looking at you on the rink saying mm -hmm. hey tie up your sticks yeah um 
I hope that the players don't need Nico Heischer to be there to do their jobs and to work hard. Because guess what? And this is a league where if you don't put in the work, hard work will beat you every time or most nights. And that's sort of in the sum of the season. But I'm glad that um, Heischer is back. And hopefully the lessons are finally learned this time. I thought they were going to learn these lessons from the Pittsburgh win, Dan. Yeah. Because uh, that's the same vibe I got this one. This was basically the Pittsburgh third period stretched over three periods where it was Which clear that the doubles really were the better. Third, what, first or second time that's happened this season where it stretched yeah. over three periods? You could argue this was our, the best game of the double season so far. Yep, agreed. And, and This and or Montreal, right? It, this or Montreal, yeah, basically. Um, but, you know, a lot of good things are here. So I'm hopeful that they could take the right lessons here, Dan, because it's not just, hey, Nico's back. Jack Hughes is already back. Hey, we're awesome now. No, you, it means you still need to do the basic hard, you know, unglamorous things on the ice, whether it's back checking, forward checking, neutral zone play, puck control, all those things that guess what? Those add up in the analytics. Those add up on the point on the scoreboard. And those are the things that will get you going. It's Let me sad. put it this way. Yeah, I'm need the rest of the team to not make me feel like I miss Thomas Tatar. Yeah. That's actually a really good, good comparison point. Cause Thomas Tatar was one of those players that he would do those things fairly well. You know, he's made a career out of it. Yep. Um, another a good example would be, you know, just look at Alexander Holtz's improvement, you know, as much as he's been criticized, Oh, he gives up too many goals. He's got to be on the bench. Who's been putting in that work. Alexander Holtz. Who's for checking Alexander Holtz. Who's back checking? Alexander Holtz. Yep. When Alexander Holtz is outworking Tyler Toffoli in a game, Tyler Toffoli should feel embarrassed. <laughs> you yeah. know, Jesper Brat should feel embarrassed. Like, like th- this is a guy who's doing the right things here. Yeah, and I'm not saying Holtz should be your captain, but the point no. is that somebody on this team get, gets what they need to do. So I have higher expectations for the guys who've been in the league for several seasons now to know that they need to do that. And well, sure. they got it together against Buffalo. And again, they're in a position now where they need keyword is need to do that. Yeah. They have a lot of teams already in front of them. And again, it's still pretty early to talk about it being too late. Um, we're not even a quarter of the way into the season realistically, but that all being said, you don't want to fall too far behind because you put no. a lot of pressure on yourself later on in the season. And yeah, everyone gets is. stressed out and you end up, uh, you know, maybe not getting results when you really, really need them instead of banking points earlier on. And exactly. Um, with what they have coming up, uh, they really have a stretch where they need to take advantage. They have some divisional matchups coming and some matchups against, uh, for example, the San Jose Sharks, which are a team that they should be getting two points against every single time. Well, they should have gotten two points against Columbus. You're right. Well, we saw that happen. But Columbus has long been a bugaboo for us. Well... Oliver Bjorkstrand isn't on this team anymore. So that's that's fair, but in general, they're the just point, like one of those okay. teams like Winnipeg. You know, no matter how good we are, no matter how good they are, there's always issues. It, it's it's kind of okay. like no matter how bad the Devils are, they're beating Vancouver. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah. First things first, let's talk about where the Devils are right now because it is about a quarter of the season, and the rule of thumb is that Thanksgiving is your, you know, your playoff. De- you know, your designation, but I refuse to believe that Philadelphia and Washington are playoff teams. Yeah. Um, but here's where we stand in this state. And I do this on this snapshot every Sunday. I highly recommend everybody to follow it. Right now, the Devils are sitting at nine, nine and one with 19 games play. That's 19 points. They're sitting seventh in the division. They're three points ahead of Columbus with two games in hand on Columbus. So the Devils are at least safer now from falling back a spot. Uh, they're a point behind Pittsburgh. There are two, there are three points behind the Islanders, the Hurricanes, and the Capitals. 
Devils have as many games as the Hurricanes. They have one fewer game than the Islanders, and they have two more games played than the Capitals. So the Capitals clearly have the advantage here just on games played. And then the Philadelphia, because they beat the Islanders in a shootout, a, um, a rare double shutout shootout uh, yeah. with Sam Erson of all players. Uh, they won in that shootout. So they're up at 23 points in second place. And our hated rivals are running away with the division right now. So unfortunately, we have to ignore our hated rivals for the moment the devils aren't going to catch them anytime soon so don't worry about them as you said earlier the devils are going to play the islanders and the flyers this coming week those are four point swings there yeah the devils really need to take up and as you said earlier san jose is a team they really should be beating because after that that's going to start a road trip we'll take them to vancouver to seattle and then the two alberta teams the following weekend oh the classic western canada now plus seattle exactly and you know vancouver is playing a lot better at home than you might think dan they're only seven one and one at home um they're they're really good at home uh seattle not so good at home but seattle's you know hardly an easy place to play and the alberta teams are struggling but edmonton might have might be hungry enough to get going they they're, they're worse off than the devils they really need to win some games but the point is is that these aren't easy games on the road and the devils are in a position where they really need to win a lot of these games before you get to face Boston again and Detroit right. again and so forth. Like the schedule on paper should be favorable for a team of Del- New Jersey's talent, but you're going to run into the grind of the season where you're getting weekend back to backs or, you know, just bef- the week before Christmas, you're playing four games in seven nights. I'll be at home, but it's four games in seven nights, Dan, it will wear you out. And because the devils are behind one, two, three teams to get to that third, uh, I'm sorry, four teams to get to that third division, uh, third place spot, you have to hope for a lot of help that you may not get. And this is actually speaking to one of the other flaws of all this losing by the Devils, Dan. They, they're they all in regulation. Yeah. Yeah. They, again, you should have gotten a point in the Ranger game at the yep. very, very least. You get should a point be in the Columbus game. Against Columbus. Yes, exactly. Yeah, St. Louis, it would have been great if you got a point in there, if you dragged a point. Like, say what you want about losing in overtime or in a shootout, but those points matter. It's why the Islanders are in the mix, despite having a losing streak earlier. They they recently won three games before their recent loss, but they're ahead of the Devils because six instead of 12 losses, they have six overtime losses. Yeah, it's a lot of points. You know, those, po- those six points matter. So, and it's actually a, part of the bread and butter of last season where the devils would take games to overtime quite a bit, but they would win them. Yes. So, you know, the devils I think would be well off if they could, um, I hate to use Ken Danico's phrase, but grease up some games and drag them beyond 60 to help yourself out in case you do take a loss. At least you're not coming away with nothing. Cause why you're sitting in seventh right now is because they've all have been straight L's for, you know, against the Winnipeg's, the, the Rangers, the Red Wings, Columbus now, um, to the point where now you need to win these games against the Islanders, the Flyers, and the Sharks all next week. They really do need to go six for six next week, which is a hard ask to do, mm-hmm. but that's where you are. And speaking of those Islanders, the Devils and Islanders made a trade today. Very, very exciting, John. Oh, boy. Uh, this is a minor league trade. I think this yep. is more a let's bail um Tice Thompson out of here because he doesn't look like he'll be breaking through on this roster anytime soon. And let's send him over to where his dad is a former coach, uh, Brent Thompson. And the Devils in return get someone named Arnaud Durando. And the thing about him that's interesting to note is that he played with both Timo Meyer and Nico Heischer back in Halifax. So uh, I guess that's something, but it kind of looks like this was just a 
make a deal for the sake of giving these guys some new, you know, scenery. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately it'll be inconsequential on the regular season, but who knows? Who's to say? It'll be inconsequential for the NHL level because Durando actually has a bit of history scoring points in the AHL. He's really struggled, however, this season. He's got like five and 15 games right now. Mm. And Tice Thompson has been relegated to Utica's fourth line for two straight seasons now. So yeah. both guys, I think, for the sake of their respective careers, needed a change of scenery. And so why not? You're flipping 24 year olds. Let's go do it. And that's not the only minor transaction the Devils did. Um, oh, yeah. Shortly before the Buffalo game, they announced Samuel LeBurge had got an NHL contract. Yep. Now, they kept him in Utica, but normally you don't sign Utica. I'm sorry, AHL only players just to keep him in the AHL. I understand the Devils have been fighting some injuries at forward because Thomas Noshek has obviously been out since Jacob Truba had shot at him. Uh, apparently, Curtis Lazar, Curtis Lazar did get hurt in the Columbus game. Eric Halla left the uh, Buffalo game early. Yeah. So even though you're getting heat, you got Heischer back, you got Jack Hughes back, Timo Meyer could be back soon. You're, you're testing your depth further. But, you know, I don't understand this decision, to be honest with you, Dan. Yeah. I mean, it's bad news for the Graham Clarks and the Chase Stillmans and those three other guys Tom Fitzgerald signed to two-way deals this summer yeah. in, in Chris Nicolo and Dowling. I mean, the Lindy Ruff has been willing to play Brendan Smith as a winger. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot of love here for let's dip into the into the Utica system for our forward at this point, if you're willing to put a defenseman there. I um, mean, he wasn't even bad at winger. That's the thing. Well, like, against Buffalo, he wasn't bad. He, he, right, was pretty, right. he was pretty much nothing against Columbus, but nothing yeah, but from nothing's Brendan Smith better is a than, positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like nothing on from a fourth liner is better than actively a detriment on a third defensive pair because they're going to be out there way more. This is very true. You it, are, it, from a pure ice time argument, it's better no, to have Brandon Smith as a forward. <laughs> it is. But the point is, is, if you're willing to put him there, then why do you need to sign Sam LaBerge as another potential call-up option? Well, no, exactly. I, I didn't really understand that one. I don't know where it came from. It was kind yeah, of felt not, like they yeah. had to do it for some bizarre reason, but yeah. I don't really think there are yeah. the consequences. Yeah, yeah, he has not been lighting it up in Utica either. So it's not even a case of like, oh, this guy may have figured out pro hockey yeah, at an offensive uh, level. Like, no, no, son, it, it is not like that. But right. I guess credit to him for getting that contract. Yeah, um, good for you, man. If he gets if he gets up to the NHL, he gets a bigger payday for a couple of days. So good for him. Well, tough. Anyway, yeah. Uh, anything else for this episode, John? Well, there's actually a couple of things I want to t- touch upon. Go ahead. First and foremost, Mr. Jacob Truba's back in the hockey news. Uh, he apparently oh, yeah. whacked uh, Trent Frederick in the head. It wasn't apparently. That's what happened. <laughs> well, he only got a $5,000 fine for it because the NHL CBA, um, and I found this out. I posted it up on Thanksgiving, Dan. Article 18.7 says the NHL can fine people over $5,000, Dan. Ah. But if you do, it is subject to a telephonic hearing and a potential appeals process in terms of whether in front of an arbitrator, as far as whether or not that fine will stand. So yeah, definitely no need as he's swinging his stick, like a tomahawk at someone's head. I'm legitimately surprised it's not a suspension, but again, article 18 is also why those suspensions tend to be short because what inevitably happens is if you give him the 20 games he deserves, Mm -hmm. it goes in front of an arbitrator. The arbitrator is going to say, well, you haven't been giving out suspensions like this to other other players. You only get them like two games. So guess what? I'm going to knock down your 20 games down to two, which means you just feel like, well, I should have just given you two and be done with it in the first place. So welcome to reverse incentives and contracts. Uh, the union wanted this, the league wants this, and that's why Jacob Trubert gets to, uh, you know, brain a guy and 
you know, see no pain to his bank account. So jeers to the NHL for that. Uh, Let's see. Jeers also to the NHL for a bizarre beef over Marc-Andre Fleury's helmet. So weird. He played it anyways, and I guess they're not going to find him. So I don't know. This is a classic. I don't know what this was all even all about, but it is what it is. Uh, Let's see. And the other thing I want to highlight, this one is more devil specific, actually. Um, You know, I'm happy to say, you know, hockey fight fights cancer night went fairly well in the stands. You know, there was, you know, uh, mystery pucks. There was obviously plenty of signs in the stands and all that. Were there any cool pregame warm up jerseys, Dan? Nah. Nope. Because Jimmy D didn't want it. Yeah. Anyways, but still, you know, credit to the fan base for uh, still being a part of that. That's always a good thing to see. And it's clear it's something the Devils players do take uh, very seriously. Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes in particular uh, were highlighting certain players, uh, certain children, I should say, who have been fighting the cancer. And, uh, you know, we wish them the best and we hope the Devils continue these types of initiatives. Yeah. And I think, again, for some reason, the Devils on Hockey Fights Cancer Night just go into some weird overdrive and... They play so well on those nights, so uh, I appreciate them for making it always a night to celebrate rather than, you know, um, have bad vibes surrounding it. But yeah, yeah. I, I think as successful as you could have hoped for in terms of the event itself and also the result on the ice from the Devils yesterday, uh, and we'll see what they managed to do this week. I mean, it's we're saying it's crunch time. It's time to really take a look at yourselves and try to figure out who you are. What what kind of team is this going to be? Is this going to be a team that's a disappointment um, after another, you know, promising season and we wait till next year when there's less injuries, whatever? Or are you going to pick yourselves up? Are you going to, you know, look at what happened last year in the playoffs and say, we know there's another gear that we can hit. We know that there's more that we can achieve, or more that we can accomplish. And by the time we talk, you know, around Christmas, they'll be in a playoff position. I certainly hope so. What about you? I think they have the capability to do it, but it's like I've said earlier, you know, this team is proving the cliche that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. So the question the Devils really have to ask themselves, and this includes Lindy Ruff and the coaching staff, is, you know, do you guys actually want to put in the work? And more importantly, don't tell us that you want to put in the work. So far, the quotes from the coaches and the players have been exactly what you want to hear, Dan. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're saying the things that you hope they they would say, but I don't want them to say it, Dan. I just want them to do it. You know, don't give me the quote. Don't talk the talk. Skate the skate. Walk the walk. Put in the work and you will get W's. You yeah. will get goals. You're not going to score seven every night against Devin Levy and Eric Comrie, but you will have nights where you're not just lollygagging into a four nothing game that makes everyone on the New Jersey side wonder why even play the sport? Couldn't yeah. we just like read a book or something, play a game, see a movie, you know, Any watch paint dry. Sure. You know, anyhow. Anyway, uh, that's been it for this episode. I believe we'll catch you next week at the end of another busy week for the New Jersey Devils. But thank you all as always for listening and let's go Devils. Go Devils. See you next time.